Good morning, class. Good morning, Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. Regardless of what you're dealing with today, how long it's been that way, how bad it is, there's a way out. The scripture says so. To the believer, he always makes a way of escape. Always. And uh, the enemy always tries to convince you that it's worse than it is. And he always makes it out worse than what it is. And you won't see the answer staring at the problem all day. You won't see your healing looking at the symptoms of your disease. You won't see your provision just staring and crying over your bills all day. You've got to look somewhere else. You want to look to the one who can do something about it, and he will show you. He will show you the way. You know, the, um, the Bible said in the, in the ministry of Jesus that there were four men that brought their friend who was paralyzed to a meeting where Jesus was speaking inside a house, and they couldn't get in. They couldn't get around the door. Place was crowded, place was packed out. They couldn't get close. They couldn't get through the door. They couldn't get through the window. But you, and, and that's where a lot of people, they just give up. And they say, well, it wasn't meant to be. They turn around and go back home. But having looked everywhere around down here, somebody decided to look up. <laughs> and they said, well, ain't nobody on top of the house. <laughs> and when they looked up, the Lord showed them their answer. Oh, come on. Is there, is there a preaching in there somewhere? So let's look up to him, up out of our problem, out of our issues, out of our struggle. Look up out of it to God. He'll show you the answer. He'll show you how to get out and how to stay out. Father, all of us agree together as touching this, asking you, for the utterance anointing, asking you to open our eyes to see as we look up, as we look to you, show us the answers, show us the way of victory, and we'll give you the praise and thanks in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we know one thing that is part of the way of victory, and that's the way of faith, and just looking up, looking to God, looking for the answer, that is faith in and of itself. We've been looking in Hebrews 3 uh, in our series we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. Verse 7, we saw that he said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. He said, I was grieved with that generation, verse 10, and said they always err in their heart. They've not known my ways. They've not known my ways, God said. So are God's ways knowable? Yes. 
Obviously they are, or God would be unjust in being displeased with them for not knowing them. Obviously, it was thoroughly available to them to learn about him and to learn his ways. Um, God's ways are, you know, there's a lot to learn about that, obviously, just, just like learning a human person, learning their ways. There's more than one thing to talk about. But the scripture talks about that God's ways are just, uh, fair, right. God has never done anything that's not fair. Never has, never will. Now there have been untold beings and people that have accused him of being unfair. And somewhere on the planet right now are multiple people thinking God's not fair. Even some yelling and shaking the fist going, it's not fair. God's not fair. No, the life down here on this planet is not fair. People are not fair. Situations are not fair. Certainly the devil and his bunch have nothing to do with fair. But God, completely just, perfectly fair all the time. And that's true whether you think so or not. The problem is, you've got people who say, well, well, if God's fair, why did he let this happen? Well, that's a question you, you should seek an answer to instead of just making an accusation. A lot of times you'll find out it's not so much he let it happen, but people let it happen. And many times it wasn't God who did it at all. It was the fact that God wasn't involved in it. People weren't listening to him. They were ignoring him. They were rebelling against him. And that's why it happened. So why blame God for something that disobedient people came up with? See, this is happening all the time. And there is an enemy, the devil. You know, what's he doing? Stealing, killing, and destroying. And why attribute what he's doing and blame God for it? That's one of the enemy's favorite things. It's for you not to even believe he exists. And that you, bl you blame everything he does on God who didn't do it. And you get mad at God and you think God's unfair and unjust. And so you stay away from him. Who's your only answer? Mm -hmm. That means the devil played you mm -hmm. like a rented banjo. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he, he tricked you too easily. Quit believing lies. God, this is one of the most basic, but it is the one, one of the most powerful foundations in your life. It is bedrock where the life, the rest of your life can be built on. God is real. Amen. And God is good. Yes. Hmm? Yes. Are y'all with me? Amen. Is that too basic for you? <laughs> Sit out loud. God. God exists. exists. He, is. he is. You know, isn't that what he told Moses at the burning bush? He said, who am I going to say uh, sent me? And you tell him, I am. I am. This, this is Jehovah, the self-existent one. 
He is not dependent on anybody else or anything else for anything. You might think, well, uh, how does that, how can that be? How can that happen? Where did he get started? And you'll have to ask him later. <laughs> I don't know if you had, would, if he told you the answer, your head might just go poof. <laughs> but he is, he is the self-existent one not dependent on anybody or anything. We, on the other hand, are created beings. We are completely dependent on Him. Our planet is, our star is, our galaxy is completely. He created gravity. <laughs> wow. He created stars. He created the brain. It's, it's astounding what he has done. When you look at all the, the creatures, people say, well, there's, there's no existence of God. Are you joking? You're standing on it. You're breathing it. Yes. It's all around you. That's what the Bible said, that even his eternal power and Godhead are clearly seen by the things that are made. Yes. If you want to learn about God, don't go to some dusty library and get a theology book. Look up in the night sky. Yes. Look up in the night sky. Look across the vast Pacific Ocean. Look across the mountain, snow-covered mountain ranges. That's Him. That's Him. And anybody that can do that, you should respect. Is that right? Anybody who created the oxygen you're breathing... You should respect that. You should respect that. Created your, your arm, your, your heart, your lungs. Somebody say, Lord, Lord thank, you for life. thank you for life. I respect you. I respect you. And I honor you. I honor you. And all you are. And all you, are. And all you have done. I want to know. I seek to know. More of your ways. See, he said, uh, I was grieved with that generation. He said, they always err in their heart. They have not known my ways. Now, go back with me, if you would, to uh, number 16. We've been studying this account. Uh, this is the 11th account in our study where they failed to trust God. And boy, this is a spectacular failure of Korah's rebellion. Uh, if you haven't been with us before, go online to faithschool.org and you'll find the previous lessons that led up to this. We've already covered a whole lot of this in some detail. No, no cost, no charge for you to get that. But we saw that Korah, verse 1 of chapter 16, Korah, Dathan, Abiram, and on, verse 2, and 250 princes of the assembly, they gathered themselves, verse 3, against Moses and against Aaron, and they challenged them, and they said, basically, you have set yourself above the people. You, you think too much of yourself. You, you've gone too far. And, and they said, all the people are, are holy. And basically, God could use any of us. And, and so Moses said, well, okay. Uh, you, Korah, Dathan, Abiram, the 250, 
bring censers with incense in them tomorrow morning and stand before the Lord and he's going to show whom he has chosen. Well, everybody knew that only the high priest and only the priests could handle the holy incense. It was forbidden for anybody else to make any like it, much less present it like that before the Lord. And so what happened is... uh, um, they did it in defiance and rebellion. And the Bible said that, uh, verse 28, as they're standing out there, Moses said, you're going to see that I haven't done this of my own mind. And if these men die the common death, then the Lord hasn't sent me. But he said, if the Lord makes a new thing and the earth opened up and swallow them and all that pertains to them, and they go down alive to shoal to the pit, that's also translated hell, then you'll understand these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass, as he had made an end of speaking all these words, the ground clave asunder that was under them. The earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up and their houses and all the men that pertained to Korah and all their goods. They and all that pertained to them went down alive to the pit and the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation. They perished. Now people read that and some folks don't even believe it. If you don't believe that, there's all kind of other things you don't believe in the Bible. Uh, like one individual said, the very first verse of the, the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he said, if you've got no problem with that, you'll have no problem with the rest of the book. <laughs> but if you've got a problem with that, you're going to have a problem with all kind of other things in the book. Just, you don't believe in miracles. You don't believe something like that could happen. You don't believe in God. You wouldn't believe the Red Sea split. You wouldn't believe that manna came out of the sky or water out of the rock. You wouldn't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. And so that means you're lost. You're not okay. And you die like that, you won't go to heaven. You hear people talk and say, just about you know, everybody that dies, people say, well, you know, they're in a better place. Are they? Everybody does not go to a better place. That's wrong thinking. That's simply not true. There is a hell. And the scripture says it's beneath us. The word pit, the word shoal, the word abyss describe the same place in the depths of the earth. Don't you find it interesting that we we don't know much about the core of the planet. Uh, Nobody's been able to go there. The temperatures are too great. The pressures are too great. It's just we, we know more about the surface of the moon, a lot more than we do about the inside of the planet. But the scripture tells us about heat and burning heat in hell and the pressures. And there are people in there. Not not physical bodies per se, but spirits. And these people went down alive all the way into the abyss and it closed. Now when people... uh, Hear something like that, they either scoff and say, oh, no way it happened. Well, how do you know? You ever been to the heart of the earth? You know what's there? If God made all these things, this would have been a small thing. But people say, yeah, but that just seems so harsh and so hard and so mean. I mean, why did, why did God let that happen? Why did God do that? Now, here's where you've got to come back to this. Is God good or not? 
I hear silence. I hear crickets. <laughs> Let me help you out. <laughs> the answer is yes. Always. What you're seeing here is judgment without mercy. Judgment and no mercy. And the scripture said the wages of sin is death. This is what all defiant rebels against God deserve. Whether that be you or me. And see, people have the idea, well, yeah, well, we all deserve a good life. Who said? Why? Just because you exist? You're owed a good life? From who? Why? People say, well, I have a right to this. I have a right. Do you? Based on what? It's not true. The truth is, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of sin is death. So if you got what you deserved, you would be cut short, you would die young, die wrong, and you would not go up, you would go down to the pit. And you'd be separated from light and life and God because of being a rebel against God. And if you don't want to be with God, there's only one other group to be with. What you want to talk about is mercy. Huh? Mercy. And the thing, we're talking about learning God's ways. People say, well, that seems so hard that, you know, the ground opened up and they all went down alive to the pit and it closed up and fire came blasting out and consumed the other 250 that were holding up their censers. No, that is righteous judgment. There was no mercy because nobody asked for it. Oh, class, are y'all awake or not? Nobody asked for mercy. Nobody repented and nobody asked. Even under the Old Testament, God provided for forgiveness and to be spared of judgment. Even before the price had been paid by Jesus, he would heal them and forgive them and spare them basically on credit <laughs> until Jesus came and paid it. And it was symbolized by the offering of blood of animals' blood, which Hebrews says could never take away sin, but it covered it for a year and pushed it into the future until the one came, the spotless Lamb of God, whose blood could actually cleanse from cleanse sin, wash sin away, pay for it, and He did. Amen. I said He did. Amen. Which is why I don't have to be afraid and all believers don't have to be afraid of going down into the pit screaming like these people did. Even though we sinned and failed and deserved it, I'm not going. Somebody say, I'm not going. I'm not going. Why? Because of the mercy of God and because I have received it. I have received it. Somebody say, I receive it. I, I receive the mercy of God. What to know about God? We're talking about His ways. He is ready to forgive if you'll ask Him to. Notice in Psalm 86 and 5. I'll just read it to you. Psalm 86, 5. 
It said, you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive even when judgment is looming. Righteously so. Is God ready to forgive if somebody would ask him to? Yes. This is one of the most amazing things about him. He will forgive things you wouldn't consider forgiving. He, he will save people. You, you'd be ready to just blast, incinerate. If they're willing to genuinely repent, he will forgive them. He will cleanse them. He will receive them and spare them from judgment. Spare them from hell. Spare them from being separated from him. God is ready to forgive. Somebody say ready to forgive. Say it again, ready to forgive. And plenteous in mercy to who? To who? Not, not everybody. Uh-uh. To who? Those that call on him. Those that call on him. See, Korah and Dathan and Abiram, they didn't call on him. They didn't repent. They didn't ask for mercy. Moses tried, even at a late hour, he asked Dathan and Abiram, he said, come see me. He knew if they show up tomorrow with those censors and they stick their chest out and they get in God's face with that, he knew they're in trouble. And he said, come see me. And they said, we will not. We won't do it. You make yourself a prince. Oh, see, the Bible said pride goes before destruction. Is that right? And a man's pride will bring him low. Isn't that literally what happened here? Brought him to the lowest pit. But if they had repented, God, we, we know from the scripture, he actually, even though he might have been real angry with them and upset with them, he actually was ready. Was he or not? Yes, sir. Ready to forgive them even at the last moment. If, what do you think? If they had had a realization when they saw the glory come down and stand in front of the door of the tabernacle and they thought, oh God, what have I done? And if they had threw, put the censer aside and fell on their face and said, please God, forgive me. What do you think would have happened? What do you think? We don't have to wonder. We have seen it over and over and over and over. When anybody asked him to forgive, he did. Anybody and everybody that asked him, the problem happened, the severe and swift judgment happened when people hardened themselves. Can you see why we keep seeing that yes. in, in our text? Don't harden your heart. Why? Because a lot of things you can mess up and get fixed, but if you harden yourself to the point where you won't listen to God and you won't repent anymore, that's what the Bible says. If you've been reproved repeatedly and you harden yourself, you'll be destroyed suddenly and that without a remedy. Isn't that what happened to them? Yes. It happened quick and it was over, over, and there was no fixing it. They went too far. They waited too late. Are these things still true today? Can you go too far? Can you wait too late? You can. You can. That's why the, he kept saying, today, while it's called today. <laughs> right? Um, you, you can't live in yesterday. 
You can't live in tomorrow. The only day you have ever lived in is today, but today is the day of salvation. Oh, hallelujah. hallelujah. Now is God's accepted time, and now is the time you can repent. Oh, that's the glorious thing. No matter how bad you've been, how evil you've been, how cruel, how how desperate, how far you plunged into the filth of whatever, God will forgive you. He will. Had a man look at me one time. He said, yeah, but preacher, you you don't know what I've done. You, You don't know what I've been. I said, yeah, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. It doesn't matter what you've done. It is not worse than the blood is powerful. How many believe that blood, the life and power in the blood of the Son of God is greater than any sin? Is it true or not? Greater than any sin. The most despicable things are not so bad that the blood cannot cleanse. Somebody say, thank God for the blood. Oh, hallelujah. The life of God is in that blood. And the mercy of God is available to us because of the blood. Because of the blood. Oh, hallelujah. Woo, I've preached myself happy. <laughs> because of the blood. Uh, the New Testament says a very similar thing in Romans 10, 12 and 13. Romans 10, 12 says there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek. The same Lord over all is rich to who? To who? To all that what? Call on him. Verse 13, for whosoever shall what? Do you have to call? You do. Do you have to ask? Do you have to repent? Do you you have to call on the Lord? You do. You do. Whoever will call on the Lord upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Nehemiah had said a similar thing that we read in Psalm 86. It says, you God, Nehemiah 9, 17, you are a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. And forsookest them not. Is that really him? No matter how far off you go. No matter how displeased he is with it. Or even how angry. He can be furious with it. And he is so pure and so holy. He has nothing to do with defiled and evil stuff. And yet. And yet. If you'll just say. Oh God. Have mercy on me. Huh? He's ready. Ready to forgive. And rich, plenteous in mercy. He's not going to run out. Plenty of mercy to who? To who? To who? He doesn't owe salvation to everybody. He doesn't owe forgiveness to everybody. If you don't have enough realization and humility and honor to call on him, And to ask for it and receive it, you won't get it. You won't get it. And there is still a hell. And there is still judgment. And there still will be in the future. Somebody say, thank God. I will be spared. For I do call on the Lord. And I do receive of his mercy. And confess Jesus as the Lord of my life. 
Hallelujah. Our time's up again. Come back tomorrow. Let's see more of the mercies of God. I've got the victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941 702 7390.